We've been talking during the season of Advent about this idea of awaken and, uh, and sort of being awake to the realities of what God is doing in the world, what God has done through Jesus and not sleeping. I, and as I was thinking about sleeping through things this week, a couple of just stories came to my mind that, that uh, you, you just don't want to fall asleep in certain circumstances, right? And, and certain situations... If you've ever ridden on like a, a youth group van or a youth group bus, those are dangerous places to fall asleep, especially if you're a leader. And uh, I mean, obviously, especially if you're driving, that's not good at all. But even if you're a leader on the bus, and I remember one time in particular when I was in high school, we had a basketball team from our church driving from Northern California to San Diego to compete in a tournament at Point Loma. And... If you fell asleep, bad things happened to you. There were, there were drawings happening on people's faces. Hair was getting put into certain configurations. Uh, all, all sorts of things. I'll just leave it at that. But it was, uh, I just remember that moment of just riding on that van and just doing everything I could to stay awake. Don't fall asleep in this moment. I was also remembering a time when I was a kid, uh, actually a, a, a series of times when uh, I was a kid, there was a, an older gentleman in our, in our church when I was growing up who used to invite me and one of my good friends, one of my good buddies, Blaine Clark, and some of you may have heard me tell this story before, but Blaine and I would go over to Wally Swan's house during the fall just about every Sunday afternoon after church and after we'd eaten lunch, Wally invited us to come back over to his house just to sit there and watch football games with him. And Wally was senior adult and just a way of mentoring Blaine, who was, I think, his grandson, and, and, uh, and me, who was the pastor's kid and Blaine's buddy. And he would have us, and, and, and we went to watch football but Blaine and I also went because Wally had an endless supply of M&Ms. I don't know where, they, where he stored them, but they never ran out. It was like the, like, like the container would start to get a little bit empty and they just would just magically refill itself. I don't know how that did that. But, but the other thing about watching football with Wally was that Wally only usually lasted through about the first half of the first game before his recliner, you know, leg thing was up and his head was back and his mouth was open and Blaine and I were looking at each other and thinking one thing, more M&Ms for us. <laughs> there is no one guarding the M&M jar and uh, amidst uh, you know, watching a little bit of football ourselves, we, we ate a lot of M&Ms and ran all over Wally's house, I'm sure, too. Well. You don't want to sleep with a couple of kids in your living room with a, with a jar of M&Ms available to them. Or maybe that was Wally's plan all along. We've been saying in Advent that, that we want to stay awake. We want to, we want to be awake to the, uh, to, the, to the good things, the new things that God is doing, the gifts that God is bringing. And one of the, things, one of the ways we said that is this. We, we, the, the, the Advent season invites us to awaken from our numbed endurance. We've just been enduring, enduring. 
and sort of becoming numb in all of that. And our domesticated expectations. We've, we've domesticated our expectations to be that which we've experienced before. And so our expectations have just kind of been brought down. But instead, we, Advent invites us to, to awaken from these things that we might consider life afresh in light of new gifts that God is about to give. We are very close to Christmas. We are just days away from the baby and celebrating here together. We're close to the reality of Jesus. And that is a wonderful, beautiful thought. Jesus, in whom we have invested so much of our lives, upon whom we have, we have placed our lives, and we celebrate all of who Jesus is today. We're going to look, though, at a passage that might be a little surprising to you from the book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. And while this isn't a story of the birth of Jesus, we'll read that on Tuesday night, and you can read some of that yourselves uh, this is an account or a, uh, a passage of scripture that reminds us of who and what this baby would become and all that, that uh, went into him coming in the first place and all that he would accomplish on behalf of the world that, uh, that we get to be a part of. So uh, with great joy, let's stand together. Let me read this for us from Romans chapter 1. Beginning there at verse 1, reading down to verse 7. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line. And he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey Him, bringing glory to His name. And you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. Oh, I am writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be His own holy People. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. <clears throat> Romans 1, 1 through 7 is an opening. It's a, it's a salutation. It's Paul's intro to the letter to the church in Rome. And letters of this day customarily included the name of the author, the name of the recipients, and a greeting. And any of those three portions could be expanded at the author's will to whatever length he desired for them to be. And in different letters of Paul, he expands on 
different aspects of that salutation. But this here in Romans is by far the longest of Paul's greetings in any of his letters. He's got a lot to say here in these seven verses to the church in Rome. And most people think it's because he had not founded this church. He had not spent time with these people. They did not necessarily know him personally. He had not been there at the beginning of this particular church. And so he needed to let them know who he was and to give a little bit more background than he normally would have to other recipients about just just. What, what was he all about? Where, where had he come from? What was his credibility? Why was he writing? Why should they listen to him? And could we build some sort of connection here, even early on, so that you might listen to what I have to say in the rest of this letter, and so that we might form a partnership going forward? There was lots still to be done in the early church, and Paul needed as many partners as he could possibly get. That's a lot of peas. I didn't mean to say that, but that's good. But right here in this opening part of this letter, right here in this, this introduction extended of himself, we get words about Jesus that just blow our minds. I, I hope that you heard him as I read them and that you paid attention to them and that you'll continue because these are words that, that just arise out of Paul's heart. It's so interesting. Paul's trying to tell his story, but he can't tell his story without telling Jesus' story. In fact, he can't tell his story without making the story the story of Jesus. What a great example for the rest of us, wouldn't you say? So here he is, and, and he's writing, and he's wanting the Roman church, and he's wanting readers everywhere and in all times to awaken to some realities about this Jesus. To awaken to some, some possibilities that have come about because of this Jesus that, that we dare not miss. And so I just want to draw out a few this morning, kind of rapid fire this morning, that will help us and, and, and hopefully draw us even more deeply into this season as we think and reflect upon this, this good news. Did you hear it? At least three times there in the first couple of verses. This good news, this gospel message, this gospel person that God had sent in Jesus, and we want to become more and more aware of these and awaken to this good news. The first idea is this, that I would just draw out that Paul would want these people and want us to awaken to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Awaken to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, there's a lot to be said in that, and we have a little saying that I think Michelle Fitch has started around here that Jesus is Lord. You know, it's just kind of this, after all, Jesus is Lord. That whenever something happens, that whether good or bad, or kind of we don't quite even know what to do with it, uh, what a wonderful reminder and what a great habit to speak, simply to say, Jesus is Lord, and, and to know that with confidence. But Paul here in this passage sets the stage and really makes it clear as to why Jesus is Lord. He makes it clear, he speaks about the, 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 the fact that, um, that, that this good news, this message of Jesus, this person of Jesus is one who was promised by the Old Testament prophets, by the, by the, in the Holy Scriptures from far, far ago, from, from far before. And, and Paul's pointing to the faithfulness of God. Paul's pointing to the fact that God can be trusted. Paul's pointing to the fact that God has done some amazing things in sending this 
this one Jesus. And this one Jesus that he sent, Paul goes on to say, is a descendant of David. He's the the heir to the throne of Israel. He is the long-awaited Messiah that the people of God have been waiting for for a long, long time. He is the He is in line of the earthly ruler, pointing, really, Paul is here, to the earthly aspect, to the human side or aspect of Jesus. But he's also this one, Paul says, who has been declared the Son of God by his resurrection through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul wants to be very clear that while the human aspect of Jesus is very significant, the divine aspect of him is equally, both fully God and fully man, important to who this Jesus is. His earthly nature, his human nature, his divine nature makes him one who can be the Lord of us, the one who knows us fully, the one who has experienced all that we have experienced, the one who has experienced even suffering and death, but has been raised from the dead and who has conquered death, giving us and all who believe in him life both now and forever. He is the Lord. He's the Lord. And Paul just has this whole lengthy description there in verses 3 and 4. And I love it in the NLT how, how they have translated. He has this long uh, section there in, in verse 2 and then 3. And, uh, and, and then at the very end of 4, just this little sentence, He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. All that I just said about Him, all that I just have to say, all that He has accomplished, He is our Lord. And as our Lord, He demands our allegiance, He commands our obedience. And as our Lord, we can place our lives in his hands and we can place our lives under his authority. And Paul even has described himself in the first verses of this passage as a servant of Jesus Christ. Literally, he says, I'm a slave of Christ Jesus. And that's how the NLT translates it as well. He wanted the Romans to know first and foremost that that this Jesus was his Lord. That this Jesus was the one who was, his life was in complete submission to. And this Christmas season, this last Sunday of Advent, as we move towards the celebration of Jesus' birth, we can remember that that baby born is the same one who would suffer and would die. That same one who would, who would be raised from the dead. That same one who would be and will be exalted on high. And the same one who is worthy of us saying together, Jesus Christ is my Lord. Jesus Christ is my Lord. And to think about all the implications of that for our lives in these days. Might it be true? Might it be true of us? Awaken to the Lordship of Jesus. Here's another one. Awaken to the beauty of belonging to Christ. Awaken today to the beauty. Don't fall asleep on this one, friends. Awaken to the beauty of belonging to Jesus. Paul's very interested absolutely in what God has accomplished in Jesus. He spends a long time there in those opening verses describing, again, who Jesus is uh, as the descendant of David, who Jesus is as the declared 
Son of God. But all of these events for Paul are doing one thing. They're pointing to, to now. They're pointing to our lives. They're pointing to the, the impact and the implication that what happened, what God did through Jesus has for us now. And one of the things that he wants to be very clear in is that because of what Jesus has done, now we belong to him. All of those who put their faith in Jesus belong to him. We're called to, 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 to be his people just as Paul was a, a slave of Christ. He says, we all who put our faith in Jesus are invited to be a part of this, this community of those submitted to Christ, called to confess and to live with Jesus as our Lord. It's maybe easy during the Christmas season, the sentiment of the Christmas season in particular, for there just to be sort of this kind of idea that resonates even in culture, that all of our faith is strong, that we all just kind of know and love Jesus, and maybe that trickles out into the, from the church and the culture a little bit more during this season. But Paul wants to be very clear about something. There is a, a, a people who have decided to say, yes, Jesus, I have put my faith in you. Yes, Jesus, you are my Lord, and I am going to, by faith, enter into this communion of saints that you're inviting me to be a part of. I am going to step into this people of God that has been so beautifully uh, understood throughout the Old Testament, and now whom Jesus has opened up to all people. Paul's become this preacher of the gospel to the Gentiles so that all might hear, all might belong. In fact, I was, I was reading it even now as in looking at these words again. And you are included there at verse 6. Some of you know my strengths finder top five. And that's like, you know, number one, includer for me. And, and uh, that, that some, some really good bells go off when I read that word. And to think that that is exactly what God has done for any and all who would put their faith in Jesus. One of my code phrases from StrengthsFinder is just to stretch the circle wider. And that's exactly what God has done in Jesus. Stretching the circle wider so that more and more and more and all who would, would come to faith and to belong to Christ in this beautiful way, to awaken to this beauty of belonging. Our mission as a church, you see it on your bulletin. Who's got a bulletin? I just want to make sure I read it correctly. I know it, but I just want to make sure I get it. Right down there at the bottom, you see it? You probably grab a bulletin on your way in from week to week, and you just kind of look what songs we're singing, and you're like, yeah, okay, and you put it down. No. And hopefully you look at the announcements, you fill out that connections card. But rem be reminded this morning to look at actually the front page that you've seen a hundred times, some of you, or maybe some of you have seen it for the first time this morning. We are glad you're here. And then below that, a community participating with God in His loving and redeeming purposes for the world. Thank you, Rick. A community participating with God in His loving and redeeming purposes for the world. You see, 
belonging to Christ has its incredible privileges and it has its great responsibilities as well. What what an incredible privilege and what an incredible responsibility to belong, to participate with God in His loving and in His redeeming purposes for the world. To think that Christ has stretched the circle wider and said, yeah, I got some loving and redeeming things I want to do in this world. And guess what? I want you to be a part of that work. I want you to be a part of that experience. I want you to so live in this relationship with the three in one that we are integrally connected and moving out then into the world in in wonderful service and love to the world. Paul's hearers, they, they belonged to Jesus Christ. He was making it very clear here, those in Rome. But they still lived in Rome. This is the reality for them and it's the reality for us. They were in Rome, but no longer of Rome. Their new identity and their work now came from the one who loved them and who had a claim on them. Uh, I think about that again for us. We, how easy it is to kind of step in and out of what we belong to. And so easy, how easy it is to align our allegiances with the world around us. But to belong to Christ says that we submit ourselves fully and wholly to Him and to Him alone. That we belong. We're a part of this world that we live in without a doubt, but we have awakened to a new reality of belonging to Christ. This is such good news. And for the church in Rome, it was pretty radical news. They had this had this uh, emperor who liked to be called the Lord himself, who liked to make sure that the subjects all bowed down to him. And so to call Jesus Lord was, was not only uh, a beautiful statement of worship, it was a revolutionary statement in the, in, in, the, in the world, in Rome. What might that look like for us to say Jesus, or what might it mean for us to say Jesus is Lord? When we say Jesus is Lord, when we belong to Christ in a new way, what we're saying is there are so many other things that are not Lord. And there are so many other things that we don't belong to when we belong to Christ. We awaken to this reality. Here's the third idea. Awaken to the depths of God's love for you. This Advent season, this Christmas time, just, just be wide awake to the depth of how much God loves you. The depths of God's love for you. Just... just Think about the, you can think about the whole story, and you can think about the fact that all of this has been accomplished uh, for you and, and on your behalf, and that, that God is reaching to you through Jesus in beautiful and powerful ways. The gift of Christ that we celebrate here at Christmas that Paul has spoken of so powerfully here expresses God's special love for his people, for the world. And the word that Paul uses here for love is the word that many of us are familiar, the biblical Greek word agape. This isn't a love based on anything. It isn't a love that kind of derives from uh, any feeling or happenstance. This is an unconditional love. 
This is the love of God that pours out of his heart for you and for all people. And might we have ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to receive in a new way today. And at this Christmas season, just just praying for you even this week, just believing that whatever the circumstance of your life and whatever the experience might be of the people around you and the, 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 the pain or the heartache that might feel very, very powerful and overwhelming even in these days, that you would sense underneath all of that and over it and all around it the love of God that is encompassing you and holding you, lifting you, the love of God that is reaching to you in a beautiful and a powerful way. This is God's own love that would be revealed supremely in the cross where Christ died even while we were yet sinners. Here's the last one. Awaken to the adventure of God's mission. Awaken to the reviewing, awaken to the lordship of Jesus, awaken to the beauty of belonging to Christ, awaken to the depth of God's love, awaken to the adventure of God's mission. Verse 7, if you look there with me, um, I am writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God, we just talked about, and called to be his own holy people. Other translations say this, called to be his saints. Anybody got a translation that says that this morning? You're all, there you go. Thanks, Loretta. Appreciate, appreciate you. The word say, I just love this, and I understand why the NLT has translated this word holy ones. Is that what it was? Yeah, holy people. I understand because the word saints, it's scary, isn't it? That is, it feels like a word that is just reserved. It's like reserved over here. And whenever we hear the word saints, our modern culture in the churches and in the world has made it such that whenever we hear the word saints, we think of anybody else but us, typically. I mean, it's, it's become so, like, removed and exclusive. The club of saints is, is hard to even, even imagine. But its, its original meaning is just this, how the NLT translated. The original meaning of saints is it's just God's holy people. God's holy people. And, and in a beautiful way here, as Paul reminds us, the people who have been called by Jesus, the people who have been welcomed into this circle of faith, the people who are so deeply loved by God, those are, those are holy people. And, and no doubt Paul is trying to like kind of pump the Romans up a little bit, right? No doubt he's trying to like... Like, help them to have something that they can live into. No doubt he's trying to give them that, that, uh, that, that image of their best selves in, 
in the grace and power of God. No doubt. But no doubt he is naming this as not only a potential reality, not only as a possibility, but as something that is happening even then and even now in this church in, in Rome. Uh, he's invited them to a life of not just faithfulness, but obedience. He's invited them to, to actually put into action in their lives with their mouths and their hands and their feet and their attitudes and everything that is a part of who they are, put their faith and their belief in God into action through, through obedience, these holy ones that he speaks of. And in a very real sense, just like he has, he has spoken about being an apostle set apart so that he might be sent to the Gentiles, that he might make known the, the glorious riches of God, he is inviting these holy ones then to do and to be the same in the context where they live in, even, even in Rome, especially in Rome. Might we, this morning, awaken at this Christmas season, on this last Sunday of Advent, moving into this new year of 2020 with perfect eyesight, might we, that's way too easy, I'm sorry, uh, might we have this belief and this confidence that God is inviting us into the same adventure of mission that he invited, had invited these Roman believers. Uh, uh, an adventure of holy living, an adventure of, dare I say it, sainthood, friends, <laughs> an adventure of transformation, an adventure of day by day, moment by moment, experiencing the depth of the love of God at a, at a level and in a way in our lives that we can do nothing but respond to Him and to the world around us with love. That it's, that it's so filling us that it's spilling out of us. Might we hear the invitation to be a part of a mission, an adventure and mission that just as Paul was set apart, a saint, so we might be set apart, saints, holy people of God, and sent in mission to our Rome, to our Santa Barbara, to our workplaces, to our neighborhoods, to the culture all around us that we know by studies have reminded us and told us that we live in one of, if not the most, de-churched communities in the United States. Santa Barbara needs some saints. And... This is where they're going to come from. The church of Jesus Christ across this city needs some saints, needs some people who will not only by the words that we say, but by the lives that we lead and the sacrificial service that we demonstrate and the grace that we extend and the mercy that we display and the Love that the circle that we stretch wider and wider through the love of God needs some saints like that. Needs some holy people. Needs some people belonging to Christ. 
need some people loved by Christ. Need some people, need some people ready for an adventure. And talking to all these guys who love to go and Max is bad, love to go rock climbing. There are all these people. There's a rock climbing gym in our town. I haven't been yet, but I feel like I have been because I've talked to so many people who have. Just, and, and, and I've been trying to get my mind around what is it that is so enthralling about hanging by your fingertips from a, 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 like a rock? I just, I, I feel like that's how I live much of my life anyway. But this is fun for people. And, and to strength, I mean, they have, they have like, like little things that they hang from just to strengthen that last tip of their fingers so that they might be able to get up to the next rock and get the right hold. And, and, and I began to ask, and I'm like, why? What are you doing? And the thing that keeps coming through is adventure and accomplishment. Something about the thrill of hanging from a rock. Something about that adrenaline, that dopamine, that whole thing, that rush. And there's something about getting to the top of that wall and knowing that I did it. Santa Barbara, our world, your world, needs some people ready from, for some adventure. With Jesus, this Jesus born as a baby in Bethlehem, one uh, writer said it like this it's this god with us baby who is foretold to joseph in a dream it's this baby who's born in the flesh it's this baby who dies and is resurrected from the dead it's this child who would go on to call paul who would set him apart for the gospel in view of bringing the obedience of faith to all people it's this child who calls the romans into the same plot it's this child who calls every community of faith, this child who calls us today into this same reality. Martin Luther spoke of the wood of the manger as also the wood of the cross, suggesting that which we prepare for ourselves for through Advent is, yes, a birth, but it's a birth that would lead to a death, a death that would lead to a resurrection, to life. And so we prepare our hearts. We awaken today to the reality of this baby born and to the reality of all that this baby would accomplish through the whole of his incarnation. Well, Paul clearly understood the last words he speaks as words of blessing. Grace and peace to you. Uh, may God, the, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. This is where he ends, but we know that this is where it all begins. An adventurous life with Jesus is based in the grace and peace that Jesus wants to give to us. May we not sleep. You can sleep in a little bit on Christmas Day, unless you have kids in your house. Like I mentioned last week, it will be knocking on your door pretty early. Sleep in. But do not sleep on these truths. Awaken, awaken, awaken. Lord Jesus, 
We want to be eyes wide open, awakened to your mercy and to your goodness, to your grace. Lord Jesus, we want to be people who are celebrating the reality of your coming. We want to be celebrating the reality of your coming again. Lord Jesus, we want to be people who are celebrating the ways in which you come to us even today. And so all these things that Paul has helped us to think about here today, may our hearts and minds just be alert, awake to how it is that you are moving, how it is that you will move us as we respond to all your goodness today. We love you, God. We pray it in your name. Amen.